This is The Playbook. I'm here in the incredible SoFi Stadium with the unbelievable screen behind us, but who cares what's behind us? I always look what's in front of me, and what's in front of me is Dan Martell, and he is an incredible entrepreneur and author with his book being released in January, January 17th to be exact. And Dan, first of all, welcome to The Playbook. Dude, this is amazing. Billion dollar screen. Is is that amazing? It's just beautiful. More amazing, you and I share a passion, and the passion is within the context of what is man-made constructive time. Mm. And you wrote this incredible book, Buying Back Time, and being able to utilize it in several different ways. Um, I would like to start with, because time is a passion of mine, I study it almost every day. So I wanna take a step back. You know, When did your passion Mm. happen with understanding time? Yeah, I mean, I think where like the moment where I realized there had to be a different approach, like I had failed in business. I started when I was 17, just super young. And it wasn't until I was 24, I started my third company and that, that became the first successful business. And uh, over a four year period, we grew to about 3 million in revenue and you know, ended up exiting the company. But what happened was, is I got really good at being productive but I actually was a horrible person to be around. Like I would go to like my buddy's birthday party, Nick, and like I'd show up my laptop and I would just work on my laptop during his birthday party. And he's like, why'd you even bother coming? And it's like, well, I, I was there. At least I was there. And he's like, dude, that's not, that makes no sense. And like, that was just the mentality. I was just like doing whatever I could to be successful. And um, one Sunday afternoon, I came home after working at the office and I found my fiance at the time in the kitchen in tears. Um, and when I walked in the door, she just said, I can't do this anymore. And she dropped the ring on the counter and walked out. Damn. Yeah. And that was seven weeks before the wedding. Whoa. So, and what was crazy is like three months later, we sold the company and I had all the means in the world and all the reasons I was building that company was for her and our future life. And here I was feeling more depressed and sad and lonely than I could have ever imagined. And that was like this realization, like, how can I be so good in business and just be so horrible at like being a good brother and a friend and a, and a husband or, you know, a partner in life. And, uh, I went on this journey. I like just, I wanted to study cause like I'm a creator. I want to build, but I also don't want to live a life that feels empty. And, and the more I like studied the people like the Richard Branson of the world and the Oprah's and the Buffett's and all these folks that just seemingly do the thing they love, but obviously produce incredible economic outcomes. Um, I just learned that there's literally only four ways to get leverage in life, right? There's code, which is software and automation. There's content, which is like what we're doing here and content's an incredible way to get leverage. There's capital, right? We borrow money to do more. And then the fourth was collaboration, which is the labor side of things. And you know, for me, buying back my time was just figuring out like, how can I be better at time trades, right? Money trades, you know, at the end of the day, when you hire somebody, it's you're you're exchanging dollars for labor. But if you do it the wrong way, you can actually have a big staff and not make any money. So that's where I came up with these frameworks around the buyback rate, like what can I afford to pay somebody? And then all the fun stuff, like you talk about bending time, you know, just like, how to get the most out of your day so that you can produce the most value in the world. And that's that to me, it was like that journey of kind of coming up with this framework that I've been teaching now for almost 15 years. And I love the fact that you're an expert at that because 
it excites me to have a conversation with someone that has put as much attention and intention into time. One of the things that I've learned about time, and I've been studying for 16 years, so we're about the same period that we've been focusing heavily on it, is that time itself, beyond being a man-made construct, is to me the only dependent variable of all matter. And what I mean by that is you can take any subjective uh, point like your fiance leaving you is very subjective or you could take uh, any objective matter like how productive was I last hour how quickly did I write my book you know something that's objective but time is the only dependent variable of all matter mm. and understanding that can allow us to be more productive accessible and gracious um, for you how have you seen in a dependent way how time is a constant vertebrae through everything or a dependent variable of everything because you've studied it as long as I have. And I can't get around the fact that people who have can't dismiss the fact that it, it's involved in every single thing that we do. Yeah, I actually just watched the uh, Netflix documentary called Our Universe and they actually have a, like a episode on cosmic time. And they, they kind of break down the fact that time Time is this thing that's happened since the Big Bang for, you know, 14 billion years. It just kind of like is the the, the marker of everything, of life, et cetera. And for me, what's interesting, and I think you'd resonate with this, is that like time is subjective to our um, experience within it, right? Like if I'm doing something I hate doing, time will feel like it's going super slow. But when I'm in flow and when I'm in the moment, all of a sudden time accelerates. And that that's why like for me, my framework of like the buyback principle is always about like, what can I do that has the highest economic value and lights me up the most. Right. And yeah. like anything that doesn't fall into that framework, I'm trying to get it out of my world because I just, I just know that I'm going to be able to do the most good. If the work I'm doing, the tasks I'm doing are things that give me energy that don't take energy and that also have the best, you know, potential for economic upside. And like, the truth is, is you can't, you know, $10 million companies were not built off $10 tasks. Like, and it's funny <laughs> how like some people, even rich people have these beliefs like, oh, but I got to do this. Like that's a sense of pride or fear of guilt or, you know, external expectations. And yeah, like I just, I just want every day to feel like I just laid it all out on the field, you know, pun intended. Um, and also was able to bring the best version of myself to that work because, you know, it's not even the potential business upside that you can have in doing this work. It's the protection of the downside. You know, most entrepreneurs, it's not a market problem that they're going to be successful or their business suffers. It's, it's literally them. They hit this pain line, right? Where they're growing and they wake up one day and it's just like the vision they had for what they were creating didn't end up being that. And they either decide, I call it the three S's. They either decide to sell, stall, like I don't want to grow anymore or they sabotage themselves into a smaller business because they don't have the, you know, they don't have the, the maturity to identify what's, what's stopped. And the truth is, is like entrepreneurs wake up every day to make the world a better place for every other human in the world. Like that's, that's the definition of entrepreneurship because you, you don't have a business if you're not creating value and solving problems. And I just want artists and creators to create more art. And that's like, that's my mission. That's the movement I'm on to help people buy back time to grow their business, yes, but also to increase the quality of their life. And you talk about being unstuck unstu in the book and stuck to me happens when either we're procrastinating 
or we feel overwhelmed. These are two mechanisms uh, that or feelings or meanings that we give uh, to what I think is the inability to prioritize. And prioritization is absolutely an aspect of time. And so many people don't have a framework to prioritize. What's the framework that you utilize mm -hmm. to prioritize as you are very clear now what's important to you, you weren't and it probably cost you a fiance, but luckily you're being protected and promoted and your new wife and children oh, yeah. are all no, grateful. I've got a beautiful life today. <laughs> exactly. and, and the truth is, is I wouldn't be that kind of husband or father if I didn't go through that. Correct. Um, the framework I use, it's like once you're, once you have clarity in the book, I talk about this 10 X vision, like, you know, like having clarity of what, what you're here to do. Like you have to have that vision like that. It always starts, you know, begin with the end in mind, clarity and and dream a little bit allow yourself to to suspend disbelief and like just just lean into that but for me once i understand that we break it down into like this year i use i use different frameworks but the one i like is is called the rice framework which i got from software my background's in in software and it stands for reach impact confidence and ease so some people have heard of ice which is a army term impact right. confidence and ease but reach is another one because like in software um, if you're going to change something in the product, you know, if it's only going to impact 5% of the users because it's in this like subsection module of an interface, then it doesn't have a big reach. But if it's the core thing that everybody uses in the product 100% of the time, then the reach could be a 10, right? Versus a two. So I'm always thinking about like whatever I'm trying to accomplish as a goal, which one of these strategies or tactics, the hows, um, will have the biggest impact using that rice scoring method. But the honest truth is like sometimes I'm more focused on the why and the what than the how because hows will fail and then you just move on to the next thing. And I think like for a lot of people in life and being successful, it's just just knowing that I may be wrong. Right. It's moving forward in in even when you have doubt of like, is this really going to work? Where I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they stress themselves over. It's like they think they have to be right 100 percent of the time. It's like, no, you just need to go learn. Right. right. Like I actually start with the riskiest assumptions that and I just believe I'm probably wrong. Like it's kind of funny because you have to have this like confidence as an entrepreneur that you're going to succeed. But I, I also have this like honesty that like I don't know the answer. And my job is to go become the researcher of truth. And I'm willing to go through those iterations till I figure out the thing that's going to work. And then I use the rice scoring method just to like essentially rank order which which strategies do I think have the highest probability of succeeding. Well, I love the how philosophy, which is very synergistic with one of my mentors from Canada, by the way, Bob Proctor. Oh, Jesus. Uh, Legend. Yes. One of, you know, biggest donor to my charity as well. And just oh, wow. an extraordinary man who taught me about progress, not perfection and uh, understanding that. Now, one of the other variables in time which entrepreneurs have a really difficult time with is patience. And I was saying that if you had infinite patience, everything would happen immediately. And I think you really have to understand time. That's a beautiful statement. <laughs> I do. Yeah, only I people see. that understand, understand that. Yeah. yeah. And for you, I'm sure when you were younger, uh, patience may have been Game a virtue, patience. but it wasn't yeah. a characteristic. Yeah. Yeah. How about today? Because I have this understanding of aggregate growth and effect and compound interest because I really work on my understanding of infinite patience. I haven't achieved it. Mm. It's one of the progresses that I'm on, but it's definitely impacted my life because it's allowed me to allow things. And like you said, to just keep learning. I call it ignorant 
humility, not ignorant arrogance. Yeah. I come from a premise like you. I don't know what I don't know, mm. but the faster I learn, the more I will know yeah. and the better I'll be. So for you, how does patience play a role today in the framework of buying back time? Well, this is the beauty if you want to get even deeper. And I know you go into this with your content is like sometimes our need to force outcomes actually work against us. Right. So, and I don't you talk know, about this. You in know, the you book. see the yeah, smile, yeah, I, man. I love this. But I want to share this because I'm think losing like, half my audience right now, but I don't it's care. Okay, I love it. This is actually like the next level that's not covered in my book. But um, I just believe like the more I'm connected to my creator and wh why I'm here. So like actually anytime I feel myself becoming impatient, I just I literally ask myself this question. How do I appreciate even more God's grace and guidance in this moment? I love that. And I, I probably asked myself that seven today, 25 times already. Well, you, dro you drove on the California freeway. There you so go. I'm I had sure to ask it quite it a might few be times. 25. I'm like, why are we parked? And this thing is so wide. And long. Yeah. And, and, and I do that because I, I have to remind myself that God's grace is actually way more powerful than anything that I wish to will into existence. And I'm always trying to connect with that because man, the amount of times that the right conversation or the right inspiration or the thought came in and then I took action. You definitely have to take action on yep. it, right? But I always say if it speaks to your soul, then you should. Um, that's way more powerful as an outcome creator than trying to do linear time task per se, right? And, and what's nutty, if you've been doing this long enough, like we've both been doing, it's like the, out, the way you get to the outcome is usually not the way you thought you would get there. Of course. And that's the beauty of it. That's so, awesome. so it's kind of like, that's why actually the subtitle, it, it says, and build your empire. Cause I really want to inspire people to build an empire for whatever that means for them. Because at the empire level, it is actually co-creating with everything around us. Right? right. That's the cool part. I just want to help people get out of their own way by buying back their time and understanding these frameworks so they can get to this better place. And adding in the other word that you use collaboration, right? Yeah. The co-creation and collaboration of what we want, which is beautiful. Now, I want to get a li little bit into five levels of intention and how time is reconciled into these different ways. Because we talked about time as a dependent variable. You created this framework. You've written this extraordinary book to talk about an ROI. Anybody that writes a book about time, uh, legit is the biggest ROI. I mean, I, I love entertaining books. I, I love Michael Singer. I love James Clear. Hab but even when they write a book about time, every penny you spend on that book is going to give you exponential results. Time is reconciled in five different levels of intention. One, which we've talked about, what you do, right? If you do things more efficiently, effectively with statistical success, you could see where you're going to get a, build an empire. Yeah. What we say, what we think, and we've discussed this. Now, there's two levels of time that a lot of people can't reconcile and you touched on it real quickly because you're the only one I've ever interviewed that talked about what we believe in t and related it to time. And then finally, you even minutely just like touched on it, what we feel. How for you is time reconciled in belief and feeling, which includes intellect, intuition and inspiration? How can people utilize the buyback principle with belief and feeling? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've noticed this over the years of my life that the energetic uh, vibration of my state when I'm creating has this ripple effect 
And I, I'm just like always cognizant of like how I ramp up into my work. Like just even like when I'm about to create what kind of like headspace I'm in, the feeling, the beliefs that I have at that moment. Because like even it's so funny. It's like if you have this like fear of rejection and you're doing outbound emails, like you're yes. it, it has this cosmic connection. Yeah. Like it's so crazy. It's well, like, no, how about cold calling? All of and that. you're like, oh, they have an answer. They're not gonna answer their They're not, and then I piss it, off an entire sales force when they tell me I can't get a hold of this guy because I will close my eyes and say I'll receive no resistance. And like the guy picks up and like, how'd you do that? Yeah. Because I'm reconciling time that, with belief. That. It's so, so I, good. But these are levels that most people can't get past just even understanding their value, right? You talked about an ROI. It's like at the end of the day, if you understand that you have an, um, an economic value creation of an hour unit of your time, then I call it the buyback rate. If you're doing anything that's a quarter of that, I think you should get a four times ROI. So if you're like economic hour creations, $100 an hour, or 500 or 5,000, anything that you're doing that's a quarter of that is not a good use. It's like mathematically first principle. It's almost like a law of physics. Like you really shouldn't be doing that because it's, it's robbing you from expressing yourself more to the world and your unique ability. And like, that's, that's the thing that I really want to open people's eyes to. I love that because I, I still do tell people if I could pay someone to worry for me, oh, imagine the yeah. ROI. That'd that's be a the buyback biggest of time. One. That would be isn't, the that, isn't that yeah, awesome? I love that. Right? Yeah. And I can always know if someone's a student of time, if they have that smirk when I say it, because they get the buyback principle yeah. like you've written about. Just finally, let me take it down to a more macro level, because there are a lot of people that need to read this book that, you know, probably half of this podcast are like, what the heck are DM and DM talking about? We'll call these two dum-dums, but more important, right? Yeah. But calendar, Mm. like just plain calendar. I am a student of my calendar. I study my calendar. I pay attention and give attention to all the coincidences I want with my time today. Mm. It's the only limitation of today is my time. And so how important is it in the buyback principle to have some sort of calendar during the day. It's like, to me, in the book, I talk about the perfect week. I think first off, every person should understand what the rhythm is, right? And, and before I had kids- C- Cadence and rhythm. Yeah, it was yeah. different. Like I used to be a night owl, then I had kids and human alarm clocks, now I'm a morning person. But once you understand that rhythm and you figure out all the things that, all the ingredients of a, a life that feels fulfilled and you put that into the framework of a calendar, then you have these blocks you can play with, right? And that's And that to me is like, understanding what those are because it turns out if you actually look at it through that like high level you can get so much done in your life and then you can start being like you can play with it right so like i do i do too i have a one page annual template called the preloaded year i actually talk about it in the book good uh where it's like every month and i can like you know when i'm planning with my wife for the year we put all the big rocks in there and we can see the rhythms i can see the so like when i do my events i vacation after the event I don't vacation before because my head's going to be in the prep of the event. And all these little things are like, oh, I don't have anything with the boys. Like I want to do a boys trip and go mountain bike or whatever. Or like I don't have uh, enough with my kids or whatever. It's just once you understand the framework, then it's about um, creating the structure to batch, which I know you're world class at, um, but also like um, get support in these activities. Right. So like 
a lot of the 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 prepping or the getting ready for the thing like my calendar everything i need to know to do the thing when it's time to do the thing is in the calendar like all of it like if people saw it they'd be like man why don't i do this like when i it's it, obvious yeah it's like and and then it just allows me to live such a more free life because i have somebody supporting that structure and then i can just like w run through my day and be 100% present with people knowing that I'm not going to drop the ball or when's my flight or this or that. It's like, I know that I have a team supporting that so that I can just, I guess, shine my light as bright as possible. And, th and that's like, literally, I just want people to do more of that. I want them because there's so many incredible artists and creators and like, and then they like create this worry and this pain and frustration from not having. And I, th I think, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Is it, is it a fear of discipline? Is it a fear of lack of, um, uh, spontaneity. Like, I don't know, because like, for me, I feel more creative and more spontaneous that I have this. It's so interesting because it's counterintuitive and we'll finish on this because I think when you understand time, you can understand how to utilize the past, how to effectuate the present and how to manifest the future. Mm. And what I mean by that is that when you understand time, you know, that the past is infinite. And the only thing of relevance to your buyback of time today is the meaning you give the past. That's the only thing. Beautiful. Right. So I always align my meaning of the past with what I want in a trajectory. And you rewrite that story. Correct. Yes. Like my bankruptcy. When it happened, trust me, Oof. the meaning was completely different than it is today when I have the greatest office in the world and make more money than most people on earth. Right? Yeah. A big difference in the meaning, yeah. right? It's one that saved my life. It's one that saved my marriage. It one that protected me and promoted me to a whole different place and gave me faith in a source that's bigger than me, omniscient, all powerful, that has allowed me to grow and accelerate, right? Because of time. And then we already killed today and the man-made construct of time for the present, but also the future. When we know the infinite amount of time in the future, it allows us to have patience, hope, and faith. Because we know the future is infinite and there's only one limitation, me. So now I can identify what's interfering with my future. Is it the meaning I'm giving something in the past? Am I a victim or am I creating interference? Or is it the inefficiencies of today, which you're an expert at? Or is it my lack of faith in an in infinite future? And I think your book, and I reiterate, if you want to buy freedom, if you want to buy your happiness, if you want to buy joy, money doesn't buy those things, but it allows you to shop and you are allowed to buy back. And the best thing you can buy when you, I tell you, you can buy these things because it allows you to shop is buy the buyback book because you have to start with people who have been there. I tell people all the time, the fastest way to get to where you want to be is find someone that's already there and ask them for directions in this book is a directional book of how exactly to utilize the man-made construct of time in order to effectuate everything that you want. And it's an amazing book and you're an amazing entrepreneur and philanthropist because you're giving back and buying back so much for everyone on earth. And we got to do more. I'm sure we will. We got plenty of different things. Dan Martell, thank you so much. Buy back the buyback book. Buy the buyback book. <laughs> Promise it. you January 17th. It's a Capricorn day for a Capricorn here. I'm a 111 man. So I uh, highly endorse anyone that wants to study time. And there's very few books that give you a framework like buyback does. So 
Dan, thank you again for writing the book and being here at this great stadium. Too bad we didn't have the clock on in the back. It'd even be better. But this is (laughs) Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneurs, The Playbook.